Hello and welcome back to another episode of InCheck with Fintech, the PCN podcast series where we talk to industry experts about payments and fintech, from open banking to blockchain and much more. Enjoy listening. Kevin, welcome to InCheck with Fintech. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So to start off, I always ask the guests to give a bit of an introduction. Um, would you mind giving a bit of an introduction on yourself? First of all, what have you done before? What are you doing now? Uh, and then we'll go from there. Sure, happy to. So I've spent the last 15 plus years at the intersection of data, technology, and financial services. Uh, before joining NVIDIA, uh, I worked at a couple of uh, fintechs based out of San Francisco, uh, one of which recently got acquired by Intuit, uh, that would be Credit Karma. And I joined the team at NVIDIA a few years ago to lead business development globally in financial services, where we're working across the ecosystem to educate uh, the industry on applications for AI and ML within financial services, uh, demonstrating kind of the power of the technology in terms of our accelerated computing platform to drive successful AI-enabled applications across a variety of use cases for the industry. I know NVIDIA from when I was in high school and your geographic, uh, your graphic cards, sorry, I must say, mm -hmm. uh, that you guys built. So um, now seeing you, obviously, as part of the uh, fintech show, but also the fintech community uh, is interesting because you are pr primarily focused with NVIDIA and the AI and ML side of the business, yeah? That's correct. We have a significant enterprise business uh, that complements our gaming business. Uh, that is really uh, a primary growth engine for the company today is industries uh, globally, whether it's automotive, retail, manufacturing, healthcare, et cetera, especially financial services are leveraging our accelerated computing platform and NVIDIA GPUs, graphics processing units, uh, to enable AI uh, applications across a range of use cases in financial services, everything from customer acquisition to customer servicing. And I think, you know, where we're looking to establish ourselves is at the center of kind of the investment that's necessary to compete effectively, because AI is gonna be a predominant technology that dictates how well customers are served, uh, the benefits that they experience by interacting uh, with a retail bank and insurance company, uh, but also has significant applications on the commercial sides of financial services, everything from risk management to algorithmic trading. Uh, and we're seeing adoption of our platform across the ecosystem as this is a space we've been engaged in for over 15 years now. So who are your direct customers then? Uh, in this, in sure. Uh, we work with all the leading startups to the biggest banks in the world. Uh, so we have a tremendous uh, network of fintechs uh, that are leveraging our accelerated computing platform, everything from the hardware uh, all the way up through the application frameworks that we deliver to market to build uh, AI-enabled capabilities uh, to the biggest banks globally, uh, whether that's in China, uh, North America, uh, Europe, uh, the rest of Asia Pacific, you know, every company that engages in financial services is looking to create competitive advantage. And a distinct way to create that capability is to leverage AI uh, to improve 
as I was saying earlier, everything from underwriting uh, and risk management to capital markets, uh, risk calculations, uh, to customer service through digital avatars and chatbots. Interesting. And you've been obviously with the business for three and a half years. Have you seen much? I think this is almost a rhetorical question. Have you seen much development? I think the answer to that is yes. But what kind of development have you seen that AI uh, and ML space um, within yeah. uh, fintech? I think one of the biggest transitions that's take, taken place over that time is that AI has moved out of the purview or area of responsibility of the innovation lab into the lines of business. So, you know, the, the banks, the insurance companies, the asset management firms, you know, years ago were experimenting with AI, trying to determine, you know, are there real benefits and a measurable ROI? Uh, that question has been put to rest. Everybody is seeing that when you leverage machine learning and deep learning technologies, you're able to improve the performance of your operations. You're able to deliver enhanced customer service. You're able to cross sell and make recommendations more effectively. And so the AI and innovation labs are no longer sort of the, the trustees of this technology within an enterprise. It's now diffused across all of the lines of business and operational functions within the, the bank. Uh, and so where we're talking with, you know, the CIOs, the CEOs, the CTOs of the, the big banks and the fintechs today is about how do you build a platform, an accelerated computing platform to support the needs of the various lines of business to diffuse and enable all the technologies with AI uh, so that, again, you're creating the best experience possible, whether it's for internal stakeholders that are responsible for extracting data uh, from documentation, or if it's delivering enhanced experiences to external customers and stakeholders. So I think that's the biggest transformation that I've experienced personally uh, over the past few and a half years. And it's been super exciting to be a part of that ecosystem and see the trajectory that's coming in the years uh, ahead. Can you talk a bit more about some of those use cases? So, uh, yeah, indeed, uh, you talk about underwriting. Uh, I think uh, pre-podcast in the preparation, we talk also about the applicability of AI with regards to uh, fraud detection. Uh, mm -hmm. But you, you're, It sounds like there's, like you said, across the, the business, across the bank, across the fintech, there's applicability of uh, AI and machine learning, right? Can you maybe talk about some of the other use cases you've seen? Sure. Uh, recommender systems are particularly exciting uh, element of AI and, and the use cases where we're seeing a lot of adoption within fintech and financial services. And it's all about uh, identifying the next best action. And, you know, for fintechs that are uh, working towards, you know, making recommendations about how to help consumers along their financial journey and uh, financial inclusion and, you know, kind of key areas of, of innovation uh, globally, Rexis or recommendation systems are a key uh, use case and one that has grown significantly according to our survey research, where in 2021, just 10% of fintechs and financial services companies were using recommendation systems. Uh, today, that number is nearly 25%. So it's grown almost two and a half times year over year. Uh, another uh, exciting uh, application is synthetic data generation. 
so in a highly regulated space such as financial services, there are often restrictions around uh, data sovereignty and, and data sharing across geographies or across lines of business, uh, creating synthetic data based off of that actual data is an amazing use case to free the enterprise uh, from these uh, regulatory uh, requirements and enable the teams to get access to data that they need to create the best models and experience using AI and ML. Uh, so, you know, we've seen now, uh, again, significant growth in the utilization of synthetic data generation for a wide range of uh, applications across the enterprise, from fraud detection to price prediction uh, and more. Uh, so this is just a, a couple of examples, uh, but you know, we're really excited about kind of new capabilities that are coming to market, such as our new digital avatar capability, which is a combination of all of these technologies from you know, conversational AI and uh, recommendation systems, and um, audio to face, so all about the animation of a digital avatar and being able to use, you know, in concert, you know, 10 plus different AI technologies to deliver, you know, a digital avatar, even a digital human to serve a consumer, to serve an internal stakeholder, such as a new employee that's being onboarded. You know, tremendous new applications are also coming to market such as that. I mean, you're talking about the development, right? Which is very exciting to hear. What's at the fundament of that? Is it the demand from consumers, from companies? Is it regulation? Is it all of the above? Is it other things? What's at the fundament, your view of that positive development of the more use of AI machine learning? Sure. I, I think it's all of the above. Uh, you know, certainly fun, at a fundamental level, it's about creating competitive advantage, as I described earlier. Some of it is being driven by industry. You know, you can't get away from reading about uh, the metaverse and all that's to come there yeah. uh, in terms of you know, digital worlds and, and new experiences. And we haven't seen anything like the metaverse draw executive teams out to our headquarters in the Bay Area to learn more about what that means for AI and financial services companies and how they can interact and engage customers and new employees and other uh, use cases such as digital twins and simulation uh, in the metaverse for their financial services firm. Uh, so I'd say, you know, we're host hosting executive teams, it seems almost weekly uh, on these new technologies and capabilities. And certainly regulation plays a role as well. Um, you know, that's why I think a lot of the initial successes were seen in areas where regulators are obviously very supportive, which is fraud detection and whether that's for transactions or identity verification for AML and KYC, you know, the regulators are very supportive of technologies that help you catch more bad guys. Uh, but at the same time, there are a range of applications today. You know, we have customers that have 500 plus AI projects underway uh, across the bank. And this is the type of demand we expect to see uh, for the foreseeable future where it's not going to be about hundreds of AI projects. It'll actually be thousands. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I like how you say that it's going from kind of the innovation lab to be part of the lines of business, right? It becomes a normal way of, of operating. Do you see 
to my knowledge, it's not part of regulation yet where it's obligatory to use AI or machine learning in order to be compliant. Is that right? That's correct. Do you see that that could be something that, I mean, should or would happen in the future? I'm not sure about should happen. Uh, it's a possibility because, you know, the regulators are incented to, you know, protect consumers, uh, to protect the ecosystem. Uh, and certainly when you're improving fraud detection capabilities and using new technologies and deep learning, such as graph neural networks, to understand relationships in the data that humans can't find on their own, mm -hmm. uh, I could certainly see a push uh, from regulators to adopt these new capabilities that enhance the security and safety of the ecosystem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because what do you think is the role of AI and machine learning for, let's say, fintech business, for banks? Is it to replace humans? Is it to automate? Is it to make it a safer place? Again, is all of the above? Is there, is there other mm -hmm. things? What do you feel is the role uh, of uh, AI and machine learning in today's society? Yeah, it's, it's not a replacement. Uh, to to all of us, it, it is is a complementary capability, where you know we are freed to work on the higher order uh, and more complex questions and and challenges of the day. Yeah, uh, you know, take the um, use of conversational AI and chatbots, and think about how many uh, customer service questions are being diverted from call centers and being just as successfully served. Uh, and having their needs met while the customer service agents are able to focus on high order questions and more complex uh, needs for all of us. Yeah. Uh, and that's going to continue to improve. You know, we have a variety of application frameworks that NVIDIA has delivered to market, one of which is called Reva, which is all about enabling uh, call center transcription so that the agents have more accurate notes. Uh, so that they can understand sentiment in real time, so that they can make more accurate recommendations. I think that's the biggest sort of misconception about NVIDIA's place in the ecosystem. Uh, it's not just about hardware. We have more software engineers than we do hardware engineers because it's all about taking advantage of this amazing accelerated computing to deliver, again, AI applications that are supported by the software frameworks that we've delivered to market as well as a range of fintechs and other ISVs in the ecosystem that are enabling you know, banks of all sizes to leverage AI in these contexts and use cases that we're describing. Because not every bank has hundreds of data scientists uh, and that kind of resource capability to work on these problems. So some banks are going to be out in the ecosystem purchasing solutions or leveraging pre-built frameworks such as those I described uh, from our platform earlier. So it's really about serving you know, the entirety of the ecosystem, enabling everybody to uh, leverage this capability in AI and ML. Love that, yeah. I mean, the, the opportunities within specifically fintech, but also across the board seem to be endless, right? What are maybe some of the challenges um, of AI, specifically in financial services? Sure. You know, we uh, surveyed the team and we've got a new set of results coming out uh, in early January with our, our latest results. And, you know, we're seeing relatively consistent challenges on a year over year basis. One of them is uh, a lack of budget. Uh, everybody understands that, um, you know, in order to enable uh, your data science teams to do their best work, you need the right technology and infrastructure. 
Uh, and so budget is critical. Another capability or another challenge is a lack of data scientists. And you can't retain your current data scientists. You can't recruit new data scientists unless you're giving them access to the best tools and infrastructure to do their work. Because if they're trying to train a language model to help with conversational AI, and that model takes literally months to train, the data scientists are not doing their best work. They're not being as efficient as possible. Uh, so this is a challenge. Another challenge is a lack of data. As we described earlier, sometimes that's regulatory in nature, but oftentimes it's just a poor internal sort of um, database management capability where, you know, a lot of lines of business operate in silos. And how do you actually get that data into a data lake, make it accessible to the data scientists? Uh, so really, I would say kind of the three main challenges that we're seeing across the ecosystem are financial, uh, their resource constraints in terms of the actual data scientists, and then, you know, lack of, of access to the right data to do this work. And your way to get around it is because everything is done by NVIDIA, so you kind of outsource it. Is that the way to you approach with these kind of constraints or how do you go about that? Yeah, some of it is definitely partnering with us. You know, mm -hmm. what makes NVIDIA unique is that you know, you're not going to sign a contract directly with NVIDIA. You're going to get access to the hardware uh, through our ecosystem of partners, whether that's in the cloud through the likes of AWS or Azure, GCP or, or Oracle, or you'll purchase on-prem servers from OEMs like HPE and Dell and Lenovo, you know, we're agnostic. And what we see is that it's really about building a hybrid architecture in financial services because you want the flexibility to burst as necessary uh, to the accelerated computing that the team needs in the cloud. At the same time, there are challenges from a regulatory standpoint about migrating all of the data that you want uh, access to into a cloud-based environment. Uh, so really, it's not just working with us, it's working with the ecosystem of partners. And that's kind of one of the advantages that a company with the scale, uh, the, the history uh, and the, the work, uh, the body of work that we've done in financial services and other industries is that we have all of these component pieces pulled together in a true platform that serves the needs of the banks moving forward. Because uh, as I said earlier, it's a range of needs and desires based on the size of the company, how long they've been invested in AI, et cetera. And we're working across uh, these various types of players to help them see success, whether it's in those initial experiments or whether it's in diffusing AI across all the lines of business uh, to be a leader in the space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. How do you see that? Because you guys uh, or your team specifically is focused on the kind of global financial services, right? Is there differences you see across the world with regards to adoption of AI? Like, is there a machine learning within fintech? Is there or financial services? Is there certain parts of the world who are more progressed than others who, or who are far lagging behind? Yeah, I would say that, you know, in terms of industry leaders versus laggards, the, the dynamic is relatively consistent across geographies. I would say, you know, kind of the areas of focus sometimes change based on geography. You know, let's use Europe as an example where, you know, there's a lot more focus on ESG 
and sustainable finance. And, you know, it's not just in terms of understanding potential investments, uh, but it's also understanding your own company and the supply chains that you leverage and the vendors that you work with. And there's a variety of data that goes into ESG, everything uh, from uh, language and you know press releases and reports that come out about either uh, leadership doing good or or bad uh, in the in their industry and in respective roles. It could be geospatial data, which is you know looking at deforestation and looking at weather impacts uh, of different suppliers and uh, businesses. And so all of that information that's streaming in real time that requires, in some cases, computer vision, deep learning capabilities, such as looking at imagery and geospatial data to uh, accelerated computing for analyzing, you know, these real real time inputs in terms of language and, and other data streams. It requires AI to be effective, to measure uh, sustainable finance and hit certain ESG thresholds and targets. Uh, and that in EMEA is a particularly hot topic and one where we're working very closely with some of the, the largest banks and industry bodies and regulators. Uh, so that's just one example of differences across geographies. But, you know, we see a consistent level of demand for our platform, uh, regardless of geography, because, again, the benefits have been proven out. Uh, and it's not just, you know, financial in nature. It is about recruiting uh, the best data scientists. About It's about yielding competitive advantage. Uh, the other benefits that customers cite are improving uh, operational efficiencies and reducing their total cost of ownership. And there isn't a higher priority these days within financial services, uh, given the broader economic environment, than trying to reduce uh, your operating expenses and accelerated computing and replacing, you know, hundreds of CPU servers with tens of GPU servers is an easy way for fintechs and financial services enterprises to reduce uh, their OPEX. Do you even see similarities with the developing countries compared to developed countries? Is it even there that things are very much the same? It's the same in terms of aspiration. And where, where things change, I would say, in terms of developing countries, and I would say the same goes just for fintech in general, yeah. is scale of data, right? So a lot of the developing countries, and there's tremendous you know, work that's being done in across Africa uh, as it relates to financial inclusion uh, and the use of AI uh, to help solve that problem, but also you know, through um, payments platforms and other technologies in uh, Asia Pacific. Uh, and so where, you know, companies sometimes find themselves blocked is the volume of data that's necessary to uh, leverage for AI and ML. And there are solutions as we were talking about earlier in terms of synthetic data generation and other ways to overcome those challenges. I would say, you know, whether it's uh, a more developing uh, geography or uh, a more mature one, it's certainly aspirationally very similar in terms of the opportunity they see for AI, uh, but there are different barriers that they face in terms of actual execution. It sounds like a 
pretty fundamental one data uh being yes. the uh, the blocker right so yeah that, that makes total sense but i guess that that's also developing having that, that access and companies uh or sorry countries like that being able to generate data and store it somewhere so that it can be used to the benefit of these kind of models right i will say that they host an advantage though which is they're not uh burdened by legacy architecture so true yeah and you know the ability to access data and so it's been interesting to see in kind of conversations as well as our own survey research that says you know in some ways uh the the fintechs are jealous of the incumbent banks and insurance companies because of scale of data but the biggest players are jealous of the fintechs because you know they're having some challenges and kind of infusing their company with the right technology to get the most out of uh, their investments in AI. Is there a way where they can use that jealousy towards each other to their to the benefit of both? <laughs> you think if you see yeah. what I mean? Yeah, of course. I mean, that's why, you know, fintechs are viewed as much a partner in the ecosystem as a competitor these days by, you know, the big banks because they see, you know, the, these fintechs coming to market with amazing solutions uh, that you know are leveraging AI and and other technologies to improve fraud detection accuracy, identity verification, uh, recommendation systems, and personalization of of emails and marketing content. Uh, and you know there are some big banks that want to gain an advantage and will, you know, speed their time to market by partnering with these fintechs and buying their solutions. Uh, there are other banks that don't, as we said earlier, have the internal resources to build and will be looking to these fintechs again to buy and partner for these types of technologies. Uh, so it's, you know, that was a lot of the conversation at, you know, Money 2020 a couple of weeks ago in Las Vegas, where you had you know, nearly 15,000 folks from the industry coming together and a big area of topic and conversation was AI and the the growth and applications across the industry and how uh, they could partner together to, to meet the demands of the customer, which is, you know, to leverage these new technologies to build better experiences. Do you see coming from that Money 2020 show people still having certain reservations? I mean, a couple of years ago, it was very much indeed, okay, how much is um, AI going to profile people in, in the wrong way, for example, or how much mm -hmm. is AI going to maybe misuse uh, data? Are those reservations still there when you talk to people at the show or has it completely changed? Yeah, rightfully so. People should be asking tough questions uh, about AI and, and all technologies that they look to employ. Uh, there are solutions to these questions. You know, explainable AI is available. Uh, and you can do that either as a part of the AI workflow and building explainability into your deep learning models, uh, or you can do it uh, post facto after uh, the models have delivered their outcomes and run explainable AI uh, against them. And there are companies in the ecosystem, uh, if you don't have the capability of building your own to license explainable AI technology, you know, one of which is uh, Fiddler.ai, which is mm -hmm. uh, an Inception member. So part of NVIDIA's startup ecosystem, which is called Inception. Uh, so yes, uh, there those questions uh, persist, rightfully so. Uh, and there are technologies to address them, uh, especially as you get into more regulated areas 
such as underwriting, yeah. uh, where we see a lot of need for explainable AI. Yeah, it's interesting. How do you see the future then of, uh, of AI and machine learning? I mean, if you can look 10 years in the future, what's kind of your vision or what's NVIDIA's vision on, on where it will go? Yeah, so uh, a few things I think will persist uh, for the, the foreseeable future, which is continued increases in adoption across use cases, which means you know, use cases today that may only see 5% to 10% penetration are going to double year over year, and they're going to keep growing. So you're going to see more banks, more fintechs adopting a wider variety of use cases and AI-enabled applications across their market. I would say that we're going to continue to see this transition out of uh, the research labs and innovation areas uh, into production. Uh, we're going to see accelerated computing platforms be adopted as a part of uh, normal course of business uh, and making sure that the compute is as close to the data as possible to enable as efficient uh, spend as possible when it comes to infrastructure. Uh, for financial services companies. And then I think some of the areas that we're talking about as areas for innovation, such as ESG, explainable AI, uh, graph neural networks, and more, like those are going to be regularly utilized capabilities uh, within the ecosystem. Uh, and all of this is going to be in a framework of competition amongst not just the incumbent banks and insurance companies and the fintechs and insurtechs, but there's going to be significant pressure from big tech, you know, whether it's Google, Amazon, Apple, et cetera, and the payments capabilities and financial services solutions they're bringing to market, as well as big retail, whether that's uh, Walmart here in, in North America or other big uh, retail uh, companies across Asia and Europe, everybody is going to be competing for customers and their financial data. And the reasons that they're doing that may differ, but the outcome will be the same. Those companies that invest in AI will create competitive advantage. They'll have better underwriting. They'll have better risk management. They'll have better customer service. Those companies that don't invest in AI will fall behind and lose market share. Yeah, I think I agree. Indeed, yeah. I mean, AI and machine learning is clearly going to take a more and more fundamental place in society and the solution that we use. Do you think it will ever, is there, does there need to be a, an active movement towards making sure that AI and machine learning is not taking over our lives? Or do you think that will never happen uh, because the way that it's set up um, is totally safe? Yeah, I wouldn't, I, I don't know about never, uh, <laughs> but I will say that um, yeah. the fiction of uh, the movies, of books, etc., is something we don't need to worry about right now. Um, you know, there are uh, guardrails that exist, uh, the actual capabilities of the technology uh, are not pushing uh, a sentient, you know, AI, uh, what we need to remain focused on are the most impactful use cases and applications of the technology with the appropriate guardrails put in place, either as dictated by uh, regulation and or a company's own 
trustworthy AI framework. Uh, so it's, impart- it's important that you have the appropriate sort of processes and, and guidelines established. Uh, and that's what helps companies today scale AI in the way that they're doing is that they've been thoughtful. They've built a strategy. They've built processes and documentation and requirements around the implementation of AI and other technologies. It's not just AI uh, that needs uh, the appropriate sort of um, uh, guidance. And so uh, this is not something that's new to to financial services companies. Uh, They've always been leaders in adopting AI because it's about the creativity. Uh, And that's where a platform such as NVIDIA's comes into play because it used to be that the compute would limit how far the technology could go in terms of the use cases that you want to serve across the bank. That's no longer the case. The compute is there. It's now up to the creativity of the data science organizations, of the product leaders and managers of the C-suite to identify where can AI play a beneficial role and for the teams to go execute on that vision because uh, the accelerated computing platform exists today to make that a reality. Yeah, if we look at financial services specifically, I'm sure, you, I mean, the question I just asked and maybe the question I'm going to ask now, you get uh, does very well on birthday parties, I can imagine. Uh, do you see that? Mm-hmm. Uh, could could there be in the near future a fintech or a financial services company solely run on AI, you think? Or does there always need to be an element of people, human interaction? Yeah, I think there will always be an element of, of human interaction. Uh, the question is, you know, how autonomous hmm. can that uh, technology and AI operate? And it's, you know, similar to what you see in automotive today, where there are varying degrees, you know, level one through level five, level five being true uh, autonomous and self-driving uh, vehicles. The same thing exists with our money. You know, how autonomous uh, do we want Uh, a company to operate in terms of the technology itself uh, against the the goals that we establish as leadership of that company Uh, or as consumers, how autonomous do we want uh, our robo advisor to be? You know, are we comfortable with it refinancing a house, uh, a mortgage when it hits a certain threshold? Uh, Are we uh, dependent upon or do we want it to be dependent upon our own kind of influence and and decision making and so i think what we're going to find is just like everything else in life there's a wide spectrum of comfort level with technology Uh, and so we'll see kind of what consumers ultimately prefer but those that are going to be i think most competitive are going to offer that widest range of capabilities and solutions and part of which will be uh, a very autonomous finance sort of solution. Uh, and that's not something that's too distant into the future. There are companies already working around problems and opportunities associated with autonomous finance or quote unquote self-driving money. Yeah. Yeah, I think robo-advisor is a good one you mentioned there, right? That's basically doing that exactly. It's all uh, robotics, automated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, cool, Gavin. Okay, great. Well, I mean, yeah, the, the time's up, but it's been great to uh, talk to you um, and get a bit of the insights. I think, first of all, NVIDIA's uh, just 
business uh, around AI and machine learning, um, as well as your view on on, on the applicability uh, in the market and, and where it's going to take us. Um, so yeah, thanks for being on the show. Um, it's been great to have you. Um, and um, yeah, good luck with um, further building the future, I would say. I appreciate that. Thank you very much for having us. If folks out there want you know, to learn more, just go to nvidia.com or reach out to me directly through uh, LinkedIn. And looking forward to future conversations with you and the team, Roger. Great. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of InCheck with Fintech. If you enjoyed the episode, hit the like button and leave us a comment below to join the discussion. We'll be having more industry leaders soon, so don't forget to subscribe as well in order to stay updated with the latest episodes of our podcast. 